Catholic Disinfo Hour, celebrating its second year of weekly production. The Rundown is a collaborative Catholic news and opinion show endeavoring to expose and mock the Build Back Better New World Order in both civil society and the church. We've correctly predicted lockdowns, mandates, elections, and public frauds of all manner. Covidians hate us, normies try to ignore us, and fake news organizations wish they could be us. This is The Rundown. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com. Well, now to the latest on the mass shooting in Oklahoma. Four people are dead after a gunman opened fire at a medical facility in Tulsa. It comes just a week after the massacre in Texas. In all, there have now been 233 mass shootings so far this year, including yesterday's Tulsa uh, shooting. And as people continue to follow the very latest on this, many are demanding something finally be done. Uh, you know, guess what? A shotgun will keep you a lot safer. <laughs> A double-barrel shotgun, then uh, the assault weapons in somebody's hands who doesn't know how to use it, even one who does know how to use it, you know. It's harder to use an assault weapon than hit something that is a shotgun. Who's ever coming in is not going to. You don't need an AR 15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to. You don't need an AR 15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use. in the lungs, and we can probably get it out, maybe able to get it, and save the life. A 9mm bullet blows the lung out of the body. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is... Okay, um, actually, we're going to restart this and record it because, as it turns out, YouTube has, uh, we're not allowed to stream live on YouTube right now. <clears throat> so, as even though we appealed their strike, we're still, uh, still not allowed to live stream, which I don't know why. So, I am uh, going to record this and uh, we're just going to go ahead like normal and try to load it up separate. So... <laughs> Hooray for technology. All right. Stand by. Hi, James.
year of weekly production, The Rundown is a collaborative Catholic news and opinion show endeavoring to expose and mock the Build Back Better New World Order in both civil society and the church. We've correctly predicted lockdowns, mandates, elections, and public frauds of all manner. Covidians hate us, normies try to ignore us, and fake news organizations wish they could be us. This is The Rundown. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com well, now to the latest on the mass shooting in Oklahoma. Four people are dead after a gunman opened fire at a medical facility in Tulsa. It comes just a week after the massacre in Texas. In all, there have now been 233 mass shootings so far this year, including yesterday's Tulsa uh, shooting. And as people continue to follow the very latest on this, many are demanding something finally be done. Uh, you know, guess what? A shotgun will keep you a lot safer. <laughs> A double-barrel shotgun, then uh, the assault weapons in somebody's hands who doesn't know how to use it, even one who does know how to use it, you know. It's harder to use an assault weapon than hit something that is a shotgun. Who's ever coming in is not going to. You don't need an AR 15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to. You don't need an AR 15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use. bullet will lodge in the lung, and we can probably get it out, maybe able to get it, and save the life. A 9mm bullet blows the lung out of the body. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. In the hills of western Kentucky, Eve Haney fires an AR-15. Haney's a 62-year-old grandmother from Tallahassee, Florida. She's competing in a shooting match organized by A Girl and a Gun, 
a national group of female gun enthusiasts. I didn't realize how competitive I was, but I am. I, I like to see my scores, and I like to hear the ping, ping, ping of the steel. 57-year-old Dr. Laura Torres-Reyes is a retired Air Force colonel. 42-year-old Robin Sandoval is a mother of three from Austin, Texas. Is it more fun than empowering or empowering than fun? I think it almost Empowering together. and fun. It's both. <laughs> empowering it's both. is fun. But all of them used to hate guns. Were you scared of them? I was petrified of them. Well, I didn't want them in the house. I didn't want them at home. For Sandoval, the turning point was Hurricane Katrina. First responders were unable to respond and families were kind of left on their own. I wanted to be my children's first responder. I wanted to, to protect them. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to... You don't need an AR-15. It's harder to aim. It's harder to use. This AR is my favorite AR. It's easy to use. It's easy. It is relatively it's easy. easy. Are you able to own a machine gun? I said, are you able to own a machine gun? That's right. So we're AR-15 something. No, it's not. Do you think there should be general civilian access to yes, the ARs? I do. Because it's our right. It's our Second Amendment right. It really goes down to that. I like having access to my AR. Um, we have one for home defense. Is it a legitimate question to ask whether there's a need for that? It is absolutely a legitimate question. And I think that's, you know, in, in terms of debate and speech, we need to talk about these things. It's a good guys. Why then do you and Hillary want to control and restrict and limit gun manufacturers, gun owners, and the responsible use of guns and ammunition to the rest of us, the good guys, instead of holding the bad guys accountable for their actions. And Mr. President, if I may, I'd like to use Chicago, your hometown, a city that has some of the strictest gun laws in the nation, a city that for decades and still is under democratic control, a city that has an outrageous and even embarrassing murder rate mm -hmm. as my first example. Why can't we round up these thugs, these drug dealers and gang members, and hold them accountable for their actions or allow the good people in Chicago access to firearms to protect themselves? Good. All right. Well, l let me, it's a multi-part question, so, so let me just uh, say a couple things. First of all, uh, the notion that I, or Hillary, or Democrats, or whoever you want to choose, are hell-bent on taking away folks' guns. It's just not true. You will not stop us from advancing the Protecting Our Kids Act today. You will not stop us from passing it in the House next week, and you will not stop us there. If the filibuster obstructs us, we will abolish it. If the Supreme Court objects, we will expand it, and we will not rest until we have taken weapons of war out of circulation in our Welcome, everyone. Welcome to The Rundown, your most watched, least trusted news in Catholic media or would be most watched if uh, we had some success from YouTube. So there was a technical issue 
of an unlisted thing that caused a, an extra strike on the channel that caused us to not live stream tonight. So I apologize for the live stream issue, and we will get that corrected. So in the meantime, uh, I will re-upload this video. And so you're watching it now. That means that you're watching the re-uploaded video or you're watching it live on, on Facebook or Twitter. So um, actually, Mrs. C, if you're in the chat, uh, as I'm sure you saw it, please go find the Facebook and Twitter links and post them again for people. So anyway, uh, here we are <laughs> with that uh, wonderful note of uh, technical difficulty. Uh, lots of things going on in the world. Gun control. Uh, McCarrick Bishop's being appointed. Uh, it's, of course, you know what month it is, and uh, so much more. So to start us off, well, uh, we'll uh, let the cat start us off. <laughs> President Biden last night started a, uh, gave an address, and was uh, absolutely determined to use the deaths of uh, people in recent shootings that have been highlighted to further his political agenda in the next direction. So let's just take a, before we start going around the horn, let's just take a look at uh, this particular bit right here to show that, you know, that Biden really understands what he's talking about on these issues. Welcome back, everybody. The president speaking now after his arrival at the White House. Let's listen in. Sir, do you think there is anything different in how Republicans will approach the gun reform question now, given the circumstances? Since I haven't spoken to them, I don't know. But my guess is that they have a... If they, yes, I think they're going to have to take a hard look. Is there one element? Is it age? Is it red flag? Is it some component that you think could be most successful now? Well, that's hard to say because I've not been negotiating with any of the Republicans yet. And uh, I deliberately did not uh, engage in a debate about that with any Republicans in, that was when we were down controlling the families in Texas. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know what is the most, how far it goes. I know that makes no sense to be able to purchase something that can fire up to 300 rounds. I know it makes, and I know what happened when we had rational action before, back in, in the crime bill, was, was the law that I got back. It is significantly cut down mass murders. And so there's only one reason for something that can fire, you know, 100 shots. I mean, and I'll just conclude with this. Look, when I first started doing hearings on the issue of what rational gun laws should be, it was during a period when I was a senator and the death rate was going up. Not that many more people were being shot, but the death rate was up. I went, I think it was, a, I'm not sure, I think it was Kahneman Hospital in New York, whatever the largest trauma hospital is. And I sat with a trauma doctor. And I asked him, I said, what's the difference? Why are so many people, not, not that many more people are being shot. This is not 20 years ago, it was 25 years ago. I said, why are they dying? And they showed me a, 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 a x-ray. He said, a 22 caliber bullet will lodge in the lung, and we can probably get it out, maybe able to get it, and save the life. A 9 millimeter bullet blows the lung out of the body. So the idea You'll blow your lung out. 
all right, so let's start um, with Trevor from uh, Tridentine Brewing. Thank you for joining us tonight as our guest, as well as Rick Barrett, uh, the Arm Catholic. Uh, so, Trevor, we're going to start with you. What what do you make of the, this particular bit from uh, President Biden? Oh, well, thanks for having me on, Ryan. I really appreciate it. And the, the rest of the rundown crew. Yeah, um, obviously, unfortunately, President Biden really, uh, uh, well, his, his brain is melted, whatever, whatever is there, whatever is left. I think uh, good old, uh, good old Joe, even back in the day, didn't really have a, a great grip on uh, firearm laws. But I think that obviously what you heard there in the clip about the nine millimeter, uh, that was that was pretty hilarious. I think anyone that's went out and uh, fired a nine millimeter has seen a nine millimeter bullet uh, can probably attest that it won't blow the lung out of out of a body. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Biden, I think at this point is really just doing the, uh, you know, the bidding of the party or, you know, the actors in the background who are kind of pulling the strings at this point. So, uh, yeah, he's just being told what to what to say. So but it's uh, as expected, I would say, from from Biden and the Democrats. You're muted, Ryan. There you go. Speaking of Biden, of course, uh, there's got there's another way to get to him. Man, it's hard to tell what Biden's doing. To be totally frank, um, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like I feel, I feel like it's the, weekend the, at Bernie's. The, 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 the real president is whoever controls the teleprompter. You know, it's like it's like the the, the path to power is the path to the teleprompter. You know, like what? Because what, that then he just reads the teleprompter. So you know, I, I do feel like, like if, if somebody would accidentally lean on the lean on the teleprompter, it's going to be like Anchorman. It's going to be like QQQ ASDF one two three, you know, type of thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, so James, what do you think of uh, President Biden? And uh, you'll shoot your lungs out. And you're muted. Uh, you there? Your looks uh, sounded muted. All right, we'll come back to you. Uh, Rick, let's get you on. Well, gentlemen, it is an honor to be on the rundown. I appreciate you having me. I echo Trevor's sentiments there. The whole thing, it's funny with old sleepy shotgun Joe talking about 9mm, 22 shotgun, blue, bob, pew, pew, all this kind of stuff. The issue underlying it is this is a natural progression of the rhetoric that the left uses. Because as Trevor noted correctly, that you, I, and anybody that's actually shot a firearm realizes that a nine millimeter is not going to blow your lungs out. Um, the problem is the other half of America. And even our, our friends that don't shoot guns because they're all their only reference, because we don't teach it in schools and we don't talk about it, outside of gun circles is Michael Bay movies where somebody gets shot with a firearm and they go through a room and then they disappear. So they they're capitalizing on that ignorance to push the debate. Cause I'm sure if you talk to the suburban white woman anywhere after hearing that they're going to echo that talking point if they don't go to the range. So yes, is it funny that Joe just continues to say the most outlandish things it is, because we know that it's 
in, it's not factual, but it's planned. And also, you have to find it hysterical. The only time they let him kind of impromptu talk to the press is when he's right next to Marine One, when the helicopter is so loud that we can barely hear anything he's saying anyway. Um, but it's just a natural progression of the rhetoric. And that's going to be used in uh, headlines. There was an AP article that said the AR-15, the 5.56, can essentially decapitate a human being. And it's and, and they're writing this. This is supposed to be your Associated Press. The fact that, you know, your journalist, democracy dies of darkness, all these kind of people. So is it funny? To us, it is. But it signals, along with last night's uh, bizarre 20-minute rambling on of nonsense that is a joe biden speech uh an escalation on on the what people call the second amendment i call the god-given right to defend yourself no precisely um speaking of which we uh have uh what about uh, congressional oversight. So now this is kicking off a whole new range of gun control debate in the Senate. Here is what Senator Jones thinks about uh, the legislative process and the ability for anyone else to have any other voice in the matter. Our lives the same as you did when you were kids, but we can't let you get away with this anymore. Enough is enough. Enough of you telling us that school shootings are a fact of life when every other country like ours has virtually ended it. Enough of you blaming mental illness and then defunding mental health care in this country. Enough of your thoughts and prayers. Enough. Enough. You will not stop us from advancing the Protecting Our Kids Act today. You will not stop us from passing it in the House next week, and you will not stop us there. If the filibuster obstructs us, we will abolish it. If the Supreme Court objects, we will expand it, and we will not rest until we have taken weapons of war out of circulation in our communities. Each and every day, we will do whatever it takes to end gun violence, whatever it takes. What we will do is not fail the children of this country the way that you have failed us, the generations of Columbine, Sandy Hook, Parkland, and Uvalde. I yield back, Madam Chair. Okay, brother, uh, what do you make about that? You know, it seems like an emotional appeal that just much like President Biden's discussion last night, uh, which is, again, you know, my G.O.D., we can't allow this to happen. And think of the children and think of the and I don't know about anyone else, but not only have I lost a child, I was at a funeral today for uh, somebody in my parish who just recently lost a child in a car accident. So I, I know what it's like to lose a child, and I don't want to see everyone else's rights taken away. Uh, what do you think about that? As we said before, it's definitely there's definitely an agenda behind all of it, because uh, like you just said, we can lose, how, how many deaths happen each year through car accidents? We don't take away cars because of some beneficial, some some benefit that we all you know, get from cars. Um, so deaths alone aren't a reason to, uh, to ban things. Motorcycle accidents. I mean, we, in one sense, we depend on motorcycle accidents for those that believe in uh, organ transplants, all that kind of stuff, because that's where they usually come from is, is motorcycle accidents. Um, and so just because uh, things cause death doesn't necessarily mean that you take them away from all of society, especially on something so important as the right to self-defense. Because if you're going to take away someone's ability to defend themselves, then you have to provide the protection. You have to then pr provide uh, sufficient law enforcement but even then due to this last shooting 
it doesn't seem exactly that you can depend on law enforcement because if they don't have to go in whenever there's a shooter, then uh, you're, you're you're out of luck here. Uh, but what's what's interesting, I think Rick Rick got my uh, mind spinning a little bit uh, mentioning movies and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's kind of interesting that that uh, people are allowed to be so frightened by AP articles and all that kind of stuff, saying, "Oh, this this gun is so big and bad that people can just buy it and it's gonna you know destroy everybody." When in when in movies, the exact opposite happens in, through Hollywood. It's like the, the good guy never gets shot, um, or if he gets shot, it's it's barely anything. But he goes and shoots like twenty guys who are all trying to shoot him. You know, so it's a completely different reality that's portrayed in movies than than what they're doing in, in the articles. And but people are so deathly afraid of the articles um, as opposed to what, what the exact opposite that's being portrayed in, in entertainment. Um, but as far as like the military grade weapons, these weapons are like thousands of dollars. Right now, Americans can barely afford gas. So if gas maintains, uh, you know, the, the high price it is, I saw it's almost like $5 over here. Um, you don't have to worry about Americans affording guns, you know, because they're, they're not going to be able to. Um, but also, I mean, we'll, we'll get to our groomer segment later on. But as we all know, I mean, sex ed is being taught in schools. How about something actually productive in, in gun, gun safety? Gun safety should be taught in schools. Precisely. And then uh, we remember last week we discussed, of course, about the Uvalde shooter. And uh, I guess maybe it takes a little help from the FBI. Or something because, you know, hey, if you got a job at Wendy's, somehow you can afford, you know, 4,000 bucks worth of ARs plus. It's a lot of fast food. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's maybe he was prudent, saved his money, but it still seems like an odd point that he comes up with that. So here is uh, Pope Francis weighing in on the Uvalde shooting. Ho il cuore affranto per la strage nella scuola elementare in Texas. Prego per i bambini, per gli adulti uccisi e per le loro famiglie. È tempo di dire basta al traffico indiscriminato delle armi. Impegniamoci tutti. Impegniamoci tutti perché tragedie così non possono più accadere. So uh, Rick, you know, real quick, I get this theme of arms trafficking has come up before. It sounds like I think it's just a phrase that the, the Pope is using to refer to the ability to purchase guns in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when he says arms trafficking, I mean, it sounds like he's just talking about the moving of arms. That is their availability. Unless I'm wrong. If I'm wrong about that, then I'm you know, happy to be corrected. But what do you make of that? Well, what I make from that is this is the going back to language, right? All the elites, whether they're in the Vatican or in the White House or wherever, WHO, they use language to get around these things. You know, the code of canon law is very simple and it's very spelled out. From 2006, it talks about self-defense isn't against an unjust aggressor is morally permitted. And there's nothing that soupage, there's nothing that Pope Francis, there's nothing that anybody in the in the hierarchy can say against guns outright. Because you've had popes uh, say that self-defense is completely fine. So once again, language. So what do they do? They, they've said this from the beginning, arms trafficking, because that's scary sounding. And also it's the way, well, if arms are being trafficked, trafficked then that can cover a whole host of things. Is it selling? Is it stealing? Is, what is it that they're actually talking? 
it, it kind of falls within that purview of what Francis does, where he's very ambiguous about the actual phrase, but we all know what he's talking about. Uh, so it, it's, it's difficult to, to have this discussion with, with Catholics who don't engage in firearms because they're like, well, the Pope doesn't like it because he said, uh, you know, trafficking of arms. You're not a Christian if you have them. It's like, well, if you look through the history of the church, time after time after time, uh, it's been reinforced that self-defense, while must it must be a grave situation, is completely morally permitted. And there is nothing anywhere. And people try to say, well, you know, the USCCB has said that we should have stricter gun laws. USCCB means nothing to me. It's not canonical. I don't care. Uh, they haven't actually declared anything where you can't use firearms. So the whole point of this is yet another way. It's almost like it's a two-front, um, for lack of a better word, assault on your uh, on the on the narrative. Joe Biden says a nine millimeter is going to blow your lung out, and Pope Francis is like, "Well, we got to do something about these gun trafficking." It's fear. It's it's um, continuing to peddle the narrative that guns are bad, guns are scary. And if you don't, uh, if we don't take them away, then you are going to die by, by this fact when mass shootings account for 1% of all gun violence in the United States, period. So, and I just want to add one more thing. I, I'm pretty sure you guys covered this last week, but Castle v. Gonzalez is one of the two Supreme Court cases that ensures that uh, the police have no right to defend you. They have no right to protect you. If you think I'm crazy, look up Castle v. Gonzalez SCOTUS. Um, and then there was another one before that where the police do not have a duty to, to help anybody. They're, they're a public service, not a personal protection service. So, uh, that's, that's my two answers. It's more, it's more language manipulation. And, uh, do you want to be found without a gun, uh, when this happens? Oh my God. Oh my god. Oh my fucking god. Sorry about the language. Uh, or this. Where's the, where's the guy at though? The driver's side. Hanging his ass out now, look. Hey, oh. I got it. I got it. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I don't like uh, defending uh, depending on the police to come in a timely manner in a situation like that. Hello, uh, San Francisco. <laughs> James. My uh, my back loud and clear. You're back loud and clear. All right. Uh, have you been able to follow anything we've been uh, saying up to now? Of course not. 
Yeah, I caught the last bit where you said uh, Biden is indeed a practicing and very reverent Catholic. So, yep. I miss everything else after that. Gun control in general. Democrats want to take the guns. People complaining about the guns. They say, oh, wow. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we've we got to do something to, to protect everyone. All these motive arguments. The Pope is weighed in on it. Um, what say you? Well, I mean, obviously these people are uh, wrong. They have an agenda. And they don't care too much what uh, the Pope says in other matters. And uh, what the Pope has said on uh, matters of violence uh, Per se, and that don't even honestly uh, uh, mean anything because he he's decided he needs to change the catechism, uh, and uh, you know he's in a position now of sort of uh, speaking uh, as uh, you know their their oracle, um, and so as far as anything else that per pertains to actually living uh, you know a life worthy of a reception of the sacraments, you know these Democrats are so far behind. And uh, th that's what they should be concerned about, you know, the, uh, you know, the uh, perennial teaching on uh, abortion, for instance, or on homosexual acts, you know, these teachings don't phase these Democrats, but then you talk about uh, gun violence, and then they all are in a tizzy. Um, as far as Joe, Joe Biden goes, uh, if, if he's speaking with a certain uh, surety, he's hoping that you don't go back, do your homework and actually try to fact check it. And you can see how he stares in the camera and he says it with all, you know, seriousness, you know, and uh, he's sort of uh, looking at you and he's hoping you don't fact check him. Because when you fact check him, you're going to realize he has no clue what he's talking about, you know, zero clue. Um, and he we, we know he's willing to plagiarize. I, I mean, he looked into a camera. Was, was this back in 77? Looked at the camera and said, oh, yeah, I graduated top of my class, you know, you know, <laughs> and it turned out that was bogus. So this guy, anything comes out of his mouth, it's just so that, uh, you know, he can look tough and he can push back, but he's hoping you don't really do your homework and uh, do any sort of uh, uh, fact checking on on his uh, statements. No, indeed. He's usually hoping to get away with that. Um, yep. So within this, of course, there's uh, some people that feel they need to take uh, matters into their own hands. Eliana Garcia, Eva Mireles. Irma Garcia, Jackie Cazares, 10 years old, Jaila Silguero, 10 years old, Jace Luevanos, Jose Flores, 10 years old, Leila Salazar, McKenna Lee Elrod, Maite Rodriguez, Miranda Mathis, Nevia Bravo, 9 years old. Rogielo Torres, Tess Mata, Xavier Lopez, Josiaya. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that, that sure seems to help, doesn't it? That's going to help make the world safer now, right? Can I just get in on this? Nobody wearing those kind of sandals has an AR-15. <laughs> I just have to make that point forward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Trevor, maybe he just needs another beer. I don't know. <laughs> he, he needs another beer, right? He needs some Tridentine beer. Yeah, I, I think yeah. anyone who's, to me, I, I maybe, maybe that's his gun, but that's a really expensive virtue signal if that is his. Uh, if he didn't just buy it for the video just to try and uh, and go viral. Um, 
Yeah, I guess it might have just been a little bit cheaper for the guy to maybe just even consider, <laughs> I don't know, maybe not shooting anyone with a gun, you know, if he really <laughs> wants to keep people safe, I mean, uh, rather than just destroying it. But uh, yeah, everyone needs their, their minute of fame and everyone needs to to get out there. So I think he thought, yeah, wh- whatever, I'll go ahead and, and do it. But yeah, a little bit of a mi- misplaced uh, enthusiasm to to do something. And I guess that's always... It's always what everyone wants to do after these type of situations, right? It's about doing something, uh, passing another law, another law that we don't enforce except encroach on everyone else's uh, freedoms and rights that actually respects the law. Uh, it's always about doing something, even if you have to go out and you know destroy your $2,000 gun for absolutely no reason except to get a few clicks and views. Now, with uh, a lot of this, there's been a lot of discussion in Congress, and uh, one of the things President Biden advocated last night was increasing the age to purchase a, a weapon, a, a rifle from 18 to 21. So that way, you know, you wouldn't have to, you know, some places already have it. You can't buy a pistol until you're 21, uh, which is a reaction to the fact that most gun crime is committed with pistols, not with ARs or any other rifle. Um, but at the same time, then there's kind of a little bit of pushback that's been going on. Here is uh, uh, Representative Jerry Nadler talking about this. And uh, you see pretty much what they think. I uh, think twice before joining the military, because this is what they think of you. Um, we recognize different ages for different purposes. We recognize 18 for the draft. We recognize uh, 16 for driving in some states. We recognize uh, uh, 21 for drinking. Um, so we recognize different ages for different purposes. That's, that's all I want to say. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Could I have a second to engage that? Certainly. Would, I'll, would, I'll yield to the gentleman from Kentucky. Would, would the chairman join me in co-sponsoring a bill to raise the draft age to 21? No. And, but the chairman feels that their brains aren't fully formed at 18, 19, and 20. The, 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 the research does indicate that in certain respects, but the selective service uh, needs, I mean, if, if, if the country needs people, it needs people. It needs people whose brains aren't fully formed? In certain respects, yes. Uh, I yield back. <laughs> Hoping that mine is fully formed at 40. <laughs> I, I, I hope, hope so. Do you, Mr. Gates? I hope <laughs> yeah, so. We won't put that to a vote. So, uh, yeah, we want people whose brains aren't fully formed so we could use them as cannon fodder, basically. Uh, uh, brother, why should anyone join the military if that's what your leaders who are going to be voting on these wars uh, think about you? It's a good question. Obviously, patriotism, we've had this discussion before, I think, obviously, patriotism is a virtue, and it's it's something noble to to want to, to join and protect your country, to protect what's behind you, your family, uh, certain values, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but more and more, especially in the the, the world order in which we live, um, it's usually just oligarchs that are um, using military um, to fund their own personal ends. Whether I mean, we, we've seen people in Congress like Nancy Pelosi, who was worth just as much as any normal American before she she got her her job in Congress, her lifelong job in Congress, and then afterwards, after all these years, these decades of her being in con- Congress, her her net worth just, just skyrockets. How if she's a public servant, um, you know? And so th- there's all these oligarchs that use laws, use the military to to for their own personal ends, and so that that's a that's something real that every young man should consider whenever they 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 sign up for these kinds of things, um, of, of what they're what they would be fighting for. But also something just to backtrack just a little bit when when the Pope said gun trafficking, 
obviously in Africa, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, those who produce guns, countries traffic guns to small little groups to do their dirty work for them it happens in Latin America, you know, for regime changes, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's the same nations that are, that are doing that, that are, you know, have, have their own militaries. They're just doing it through a, a middleman. Um, but what's ironic, especially in the United States, is that having stronger protection at the border, at the, at the southern border in particular, would actually um, diminish gun trafficking, illegal gun trafficking. But he's not talking about illegal gun trafficking. He's just talking about the people that actually can buy and sell uh, legally uh, arms in the United States. So if they want to, to diminish illegal gun trafficking, strengthen, strengthen the protection at the border. Makes sense, especially when uh, you have scenes like this at the border. And uh, they're just going to walk across and get their uh, matricular consular cards. And uh, you don't know what they're carrying from various types of drugs to, uh, um, you know, whatever. They also have a ton of baby formula at the border waiting for them. Right. We've heard from D uh, from from agents at the border that while parents are regardless of what you think of the baby formula situation, there's tons of it there. And there's it, it just take pictures in Walmart at the border in Mexico. There's baby formula through the roof. So it's it's actually kind of ironic when you think of it that way. Indeed, especially uh, <laughs> the, is what Biden thinks about it. Sometime, uh, yeah, I, I kind of figured out there was a problem, and uh, uh, yeah, that that thing, right? <laughs> uh, such competent leadership. Uh, let's see, James. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, let's try to get you back in here. Uh, with all this, do, do you think that it's it's reasonable at this point to just kind of assert that you know there's someone else running things and it's not Biden? You know, I mean, we've long asserted that Biden is just there as a figurehead. You know, we uh, we know he's just there buying time for whatever's happening behind the scenes to happen. And people love their figureheads, whether or not they believe what he's saying or not, or whether or not they're using uh, his presence to ridicule the uh, Democrat platform or party members. 
it's still there for that reason. You know, people love the idea of having a figurehead. And so everyone's pointing fingers at uh, Biden. Of course, we know Biden's long gone, at least mentally. He's not uh, he's not fit for uh, for office or any office. You know, he's not, you know, fit for a whole lot of things either outside of that office that he that he holds. And so, um, you know, the question lies, what's happening behind the scenes when uh, they're feeding us Biden's audio and video uh, moments, you know, uh, 24-7, you know? Uh, I mean, I was happier with, uh, you know, the other guy we had in the White House, because at least I could sort of uh, laugh along with him, uh, even though I knew he was some sort of figurehead himself in that regard. But uh, with the state of Biden and uh, this presidency, you know, this is actually very... Uh, they they say Trump is embarrassing, but I I think Biden's way more embarrassing than uh, you know uh, uh, Trump. So uh, you know what's really happening behind the scenes? That's that's my question. But Biden, you know, he he loves democracy so much. I mean, uh, just 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 listen to him, ladies and gentlemen. Today we remember and we reaffirm: freedom is worth the sacrifice. Democracy is not perfect. It's never been good. Perfect. <laughs> that actually is pretty. That is pretty comparable for a Biden uh, speech, right? It's <laughs> just dead air. You could add some mumblings where he's like, oh, "You got to, you got to mumble, say come on, and mention Bo." As long as you get yeah. those three things, <laughs> you're good. And corn pop too. Don't forget oh, our good friend corn, corn pop. pop. <laughs> come on, my son Bo. He was a thing, and then God, yeah, I got. Do you even lift, bro? Yeah. Was wasn't that one from twenty twenty? Do you do you yeah. even lift something like that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah don't forget the, from the intro, the AR fourteen bit. You know, oh yeah, <laughs> oh man, and everything else. Yeah. Here's a little bit of humor to close out the the gun uh, discussion. Less important than ever before. Are you one of those right-wing morons who spent the last five years telling people they need guns? Well, I bet you feel like an idiot now. You said guns would protect our freedoms, and yet guns have stripped us of our freedom to burn down your store, our freedom to invade your suburb, and most sacred of all, our freedom to beat you until you stop moving. Just look at how this psycho with a 30-round magazine clip oppressed this poor, angry mob of mostly peaceful trespassers. A travesty! But let's move beyond the anecdotal. The CDC found that every year, up to 3 million people are stripped of their right to commit crimes by a firearm user. Whereas only 300,000 people use a firearm to protect their right to commit crimes. Even worse, only 10,000 people get to exercise their freedom to kill using a firearm each year. Is this what the founders would have wanted? But it doesn't stop there. With police departments across the nation being defunded, we were anticipating a utopian era of unmitigated freedom. But firearm owners may compromise this new American experiment. What good is getting rid of those oppressive police if everyone has a gun to strip you of your right to rob and intimidate them? I wish I could tell you it didn't get worse, but it does. Now that the right has used their firearms to strip us of our rights to rob them, commit arson, and kill their families, they're going after our most sacred freedom of all, our freedom to be governed by angry mobs. Given that weapons like the AR-15 are used to uphold the freedom to commit murder less often than hammers or fists, 
It's beginning to seem as if their primary purpose is to strip away our right to intimidate strangers. High-capacity firearms exempt people from their duty to obey the mob. See, when we said you don't need a 30-round magazine, what we meant was, we need you not to have one. That is, if you want to live in a free country, a country where we're very, very, very free. And you're free to shut up and obey. Now, maybe you're sad that you missed out on that kind of freedom. But remember, it's never too late. So from now on, anytime you hear about a gun control proposal, just think about the peaceful protests of 2020 and how much safer your friends in the mob would have felt if you didn't have a gun. You wouldn't want us to be worried next time, would you? We'll never be able to visit your suburb to say hi if you have one of those big scary guns. So vote for that gun control law. Make the gun lobby compromise. Push for that common sense restriction. We know we will. Gun control advocates, politely asking your permission now so that we'll never have to ask your permission for anything again. Hey folks, thank you so much for watching. Love Seamus. Seamus <laughs> is so good. Seamus, uh, check your check your spam folder if you're watching, by the way. <laughs> I mean, and ask for permission, and you never got back to me. So we'll at least tell people to go to his Patreon. Um, you know, I tend to think it's fair use, but um, anyway. So, uh, so final thoughts. I mean, we know the score. Uh, most of us are gun owners. We've used them. Uh, thank God we've never had to be in a self-defense shooting uh to my knowledge anyway uh with with uh, you fellas but um you know and, and we don't want to but there's uh you know the left just has that idea and of course increasingly too bishops yeah you don't need those reasons and, and i think rick you're the most qualified to answer this question uh -oh. why do you need an ar-15 why do you need this uh big bad looking military military style gun um, you know, as, as the president says, you know, can't you just buy a shotgun? Yeah, well, the reason why you can or need to have an AR-15 is simply because uh, Texas Article 1, Section 23 guarantees my right to keep and bear arms. Um, I live in the state of Texas. I know James uh, as well. Wild hogs are our thing down here. And no bolt action rifle. It maybe maybe a semi-automatic shotgun may give you a chance, but um, those things you need a thirty-round magazine and an AR-15 to to, uh, to have a chance. Uh, you're also thinking about multiple home invasions, if if or multiple assailants in your home, if there is, God forbid, a home invasion. But simply, uh, your state, if it has a right to keep and bear arms, none of those things are restricted in it. So it doesn't matter why they don't like it. Um, it's kind of none of their business. I, I look at it this way. We're told as Catholics that we need to shut up about what consenting adults do in their bedroom. Well, you can shut up about what I have in my house as, as far as to defend myself, because that's actually protected by the state. And unfortunately, due to the incorporation doctrine at the federal level. So. The idea is um, because there is nothing that restricts it from from a faith perspective or from a legal perspective. Uh, Trevor, last thoughts on gun control. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, if they want to come get it, they can come take it. 
Uh, but you know, beyond that, I, I would say that, you know, it's going to be interesting as, as things get crazier and crazier at, at a national level, you know, states like Texas or even Missouri, which I know passed recently in the last few years, a specific statute that said that, that nullified new federal gun laws and regulations. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting going forward if the states are going to step up and reclaim their rights that are under the 10th amendment that they've always had to actually say for their own citizens, no, we've had enough. We're not enforcing these federal laws. So hopefully that, that does come to pass so that we do have uh, more conservative states and red states at the very least that, you know, finally step up to the plate because we've had an encroaching federal government now for well over a hundred years. So uh, I think that an issue like gun rights is actually going to, be one of those things that you know tips a scale and i think you might have a, a governor like a desantis uh or even i know abbott's not as good but you know someone that'll step up to the plate and say you know enough's enough you know even at the federal government which likely is not going to be able to get through the filibuster to pass the whatever um ar-15 bans are looking to have right now but even if they did i think that there's starting to be the will in some lawmakers and uh even though i know the republican party is extremely weak and conservatives generally but i think that we're getting to a point where you'll see some backlash and resistance at least in certain states to where i think that certain localities are going to say enough's enough we're not going to enforce it brother does all of this seem like a distraction maybe uh, you know, the gun control suddenly rolls out, uh, but we kind of forgot some of the stuff we were talking about last week as far as the in the week before with Davos, World Economic Forum. And, you know, is uh, some of this a bit of distraction or is it actually very relevant and something that's really important to uh, what we're going to be seeing in the future? I think it's a relevant distraction in the sense that, uh, I mean, taking away our guns is, is something that the left has always been adamant about. And they've always used the emotions of mass shootings, of involving children um, in trying to push for their their legislation. Of course, um, they use it as some sort of cover, whether it be because of the high gas prices, inflation, uh, to make the, uh, something that's emotionally charged seem more important so that when we're going into into elections, um, that's on, this emotionally charged topic is on people's minds and not necessarily uh, the day-to-day the -day living and, and everything in perspective. Um, but yeah, especially over in Europe, the Davos stuff. But I mean, I don't think the common American is really, really awake to the the Great Reset and everything else yet. Um, there's there are some people talking about it, like Tucker Carlson. But um, I, I never really run into people that are that are so much convinced. But I would say though that when I when I was growing up, um, of course, I grew up in the hood, Mexican. Uh, my parents were immigrants, so we started out very poor. Uh, we didn't I, we didn't really have a whole lot of gun violence. Um, but mostly because there was something in, in our community that I, I don't see much of anywhere else. And that was, we had abuelas with chanclas. We had grandmothers with, with their, with their sandals and they whipped every, every young man into shape. Um, we're, we're seeing a fatherless society. We're, we're seeing a, a parentless society. And we see that with, with, with the shooter, Salvador Ramos, who we say his name more than we say the, the, the name of the border patrol agent who actually went in Jacob Alvarado. Um, his name should be more commonly known because I think we, we, we uh, glorify more the shooter than those that actually, you know, go in. Um, but I think that, that that's really the, the issue here is, is, is the, the moral degradation of our society. Um, and and it, this is really something where the church should step in. Instead, they're, they're going to push for gun control instead of saying, hey, father, step up. Speaking of inflation, James, 
uh, it seems that the people in charge couldn't see this coming, even though we were talking about it last year. But it wasn't just the president who got it wrong a year or so ago. I want to play for you what you said about inflation last year. Listen to this. Is there a risk of inflation? Um, I, I think there's a small risk, and I think it's manageable. I don't anticipate that inflation is going to be a problem, but it is something that we're watching very carefully. Was it a mistake, Madam Secretary, to downplay this inflation risk? Did that contribute to the problems we're all seeing right now? Well, um, look, I, I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted uh, energy and food prices and um, supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I, didn't, at the time, didn't fully understand. Didn't fully understand, James. Uh, we've been monitoring it closely. We don't think it's really a problem. Uh, what do you think, James? What, what a huge sham. I mean, uh, I mean, playback, while you're at it, just go ahead and play back all of Ron Paul's videos going back to – you know, just, I mean, we could say, well, we didn't anticipate this, right? So we had a crash in 2007. And so even then in 2007, when we were, when we were pumping uh, money out there into the economy, you know, uh, Ron Paul himself stated uh, since that point that we are heading towards something that we cannot recover from if we keep treating it with Band-Aid. And this is exactly kind of uh, the kind of situation we are seeing, seeing now. And even if that was not enough, you know, we had 2020 where we knew what was going to happen if we shut down the economy, even worse so, you know. And so we're dealing with astronomical prices across the board. And we're wondering why, you know, uh, this wasn't seen, you know, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. I mean, this is a sham. And she's gotten on, she's gotten on all these, uh, and it, this wasn't just the only show uh, she was on. She was on uh, several other shows claiming she didn't realize this is going to happen. But we've been yelling this same thing at Janet Yellen since uh, she was in uh, Bill Clinton's uh, 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 cabinet. You know, she's just not paying attention because she doesn't want to pay attention. You know, this is what this is what these uh, people do. They get in office and they hope they can steer you steer you away from what where you ought to be looking, so that you know they can all say together with you, "Oh, we didn't know it was going to happen. You didn't know. We didn't know." Yeah, but guess what? Who's in charge? You know. It's not us. I don't get, you know, I, I get to vote them out, but they wouldn't even let me do that. They, they have machines keeping them in office. Right. <laughs> and uh, 20, 2,000 mules, as it were, and uh, <laughs> right. whatever else. Right. Um, so with, uh, you know, the inflation is coming in at a time we're also, uh, you know, we're going to see, we're about to see more of the economic pain in, in terms of the, uh, what they're planning for us at Davos. Here is uh, rebel news interviewing. Um, actually, before I even get to that one, that's a long one. Uh, here's uh, someone from the WHO at present at uh, Davos. That's explaining that there's going to be more pandemics. It's going to keep going because of climate change. I'm not a scientist, so I'm not in a position to talk about vaccination, but this is not going to be the last pandemic that we see. 
Um, we're seeing, we'll see more and more pandemics arising uh, due to climate impacts and the emergence of uh, new bacteria uh, as a result of uh, increased greenhouse gases and me- methane emissions so um, that we just don't have immunity to. So I think, you know, as a collective, everyone's been talking about COVID, but okay, that's COVID and it's going to stay with us. But, you know, this is just the start. I'm not a scientist. Just the start. And of course, uh, then there's this fellow talking about uh, some of the climate effects. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Hmm. Stay tuned. We don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. That they're working on. Now, this guy's name is, uh, I can't remember his first name. His last name is Nabarro with a B. No relation to our beloved brother here. Uh, But uh, Rebel News caught up with him. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's very lengthy, but... Uh, we put this on and we'll react around the uh, the board here. I'll stop now because you're asking me quite aggressive questions. Well, well I think and the I whole... And I didn't ask to be interviewed. This is an interview done against my approval. The and vaccination excused, is also... The vaccine... If this interview People is... People are vac- force vaccinated. Do you think that's okay? That's against I, their will. And that's... that's WHO been, pushed the, the, the vaccine? No, I have never called for forced vaccination myself. I am here at the World Health Organization headquarters. I came here because during the entire week where the elites were meeting in Davos, well, the meeting behind us were planning the future of our lives to dictate to us what the next pandemic will look like. As you know, I did meet Mr. Nabarro, who is one of the people responsible for the policies the WHO implemented for COVID-19. You know, I would be very happy to be interviewed normally about this. Can I get a car? Ambushed. I don't have any cars left. David, where, where can I catch you to, to, to continue this interview? Uh, let me just write it down. As promised, I did email Mr. Nabarro several times and... I'm even here, willing to interview him. But imagine my shock when I haven't heard anything back. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the so-called ambush of Mr. Nabarro in Davos. Hello, so you're from the WHO, the Special Envoy for COVID? I'm just going to a meeting, actually. It's nice of you to talk to me. I'm not doing uh, that other thing at the moment. COVID moment. I'm just walking to a meeting about food. But I guess you're at the WEF, you're an invite. Sorry? You're invited to the, the forum? Yes, but uh, I'm certainly invited to the forum, yeah. Yeah, you can see my badge. Yeah, so, so why do you think this year it's about the, the they're, they're talking about the fact that they're regaining trust. Do you think it has anything to do with the WHO? Uh, so, um, I mean, I, for me, trust has been uh, uh, difficult to maintain with uh, COVID. But you'll have to tell me Why is that? who you're reporting for. Rebel News. Sorry? Rebel News. Why do you think people don't trust? It's been hard to maintain trust through COVID. Because COVID's affected poor people everywhere really badly. So why do so many people blame your organisation, the WHO? 
people like to find somebody to blame. Was lockdowns ever a good idea? Well, lockdowns are part of the response, but we say there are things that you can do before you lock down that reduce the degree of problem. So we've always said lockdown is the last resort. And of course we worry if we think some countries... Do you think Australia locked down too much? What? Do you think Victoria, do you think in Australia they had the largest, harshest lockdown? Do you think that they locked down too much and they were too severe? I do not like commenting on decisions of individual governments. They have to take account of the local circumstances. There's no hard and fast rule, and so I will not answer the question by agreeing with your statement. I'm just saying that... But they say they followed your advice. That's, uh, I, that's for them. So I nobody... This is why a lot of people blame the WHO, yeah, is because governments, governments put it in on you and... Of course. But what, WHO is owned by 194 governments, and uh, there will be some who don't agree with others. And that's normal. And there's some countries like Switzerland. We're here now in Switzerland, yeah. and they never really had any COVID restrictions, and it's pretty free here. Yeah. Do you think it's a, a bit ironic that they're holding the World Health Organization in Geneva for, and discussing the pandemic treaty in the one place that didn't really have the kind of response that the WHO was pushing? WHO did not push for people to use lockdown as the primary means of control. WHO says that what you do with a disease like COVID... Do you think Switzerland got it right? No, I'm not saying whether they got it right or wrong. Uh, I'm just telling you... I'll stop now because you're asking me quite aggressive questions. Well, well, I think the whole... And I didn't ask to be interviewed. This is an interview done against my approval. The vaccination is also... The vaccine... If this interview People is are vac- force vaccinated. Do you think that's okay? That's against I've, their will, and that's that's WHO pushed the, the the vaccine. No, I have never called for forced vaccination myself. Do you realise? Do you think that they should drop those mandates around the world? Do you? I think- have said mandates. I've said vaccination mandates. That's really a last resort. You know. What, what resort we have? What point you know, should you, you ever force somebody to have a vaccine? Any I resort? Would not, I would personally never want anything mandated. You see, you can't... Why is that res- not the WHO official position? I am not giving the WHO official position. Gosh, you're an aggressive interviewer. But I'm still entertaining you. I, I hope it. viewers can understand, and I hope this is not cut out, that I've been ambushed in the street... And I'm responding to this gentleman's... I don't even know his name. Avyimini. I'm responding to his questions because I believe that it is my duty to attempt to communicate. I so appreciate, I I appreciate that. I don't I mean to... I, I don't mean to be... Strange. We're just running fast, so that's why yeah. I, just, I'm, I, I get well, I'm it. late for a meeting. All right, you can go to the meeting. I guess... Yeah. I guess the, what would you say to people watching this who do blame your organisation? Well... Inevitably, the, co- the pandemic... not just poor people, though. No, no, everybody. The pandemic has been horrible. And you have to find somebody to blame. But quite honestly, I've worked as an envoy for WHO. And I personally do not think WHO has made consistent errors in this. I think that inevitably, when we look backwards, there will always be points where we say we should have done different. This has been so horrible. And it's, by the way, the pandemic's not finished. It's still going on. 
So that, those words will scare people because they're, they're thinking we're just getting back to life, and you're telling us from the WHO it's not over. But most of us China, had COVID. go to China, go to North Korea. Speaking of China, though, in the beginning of the pandemic, there's still a pandemic going on in China. There's still a pandemic in North How Korea. How are we supposed to trust anything happening in China? They lied to us from the beginning. The WHO covered up from there for them in the beginning. How okay. we- you see that again? That style of questioning. That's what most of the world yeah, believes because we experienced it and we all suffered. In Melbourne, Australia, we were locked down know, for know, a year and a half. But I just have to tell you, I don't think... I, I personally can't see that WHO should be blamed for this pandemic. Well, if there was- WHO shouldn't be blamed for the pandemic. It goes on a bit more, but we've we've had him enough. Um, let's let's uh, get around uh, with guest first, Rick. Uh, what's your reaction to all that? Well, first of all, that guy's dead. <laughs> They're never going to find him again. They'll bury him somewhere in Switzerland because uh, he, he he spoke too much. Secondly, of course, the WHO official is not going to be able to answer these questions because in their mind, they don't need to answer these questions. We're supposed to do whatever our elites, whether they're in Davos or wherever, uh, whatever they say, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So if Australia has to be locked down for a year and a half, that's fine. If China still has COVID blowing up in there, I can't even believe he mentioned North Korea. Nobody even knows what's going on in North Korea. So I, that, that's kind of strange that he mentioned that. But this idea that he was upset with aggressive questioning because the, they never calculate resistance into their plan whether it's WHO, WEF, they always think, and they got 90% of it correct. All of Europe locked down, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the blue states here. Actually, everybody here in the U.S. did for a little bit. And so they never calculate any kind of resistance to it. So when people ask for accountability, they're like, well, I don't need to give you accountability because they do think the old Globo Gym uh, motto they're better than us and they know it so there's no reason for them to have to explain any but that's why that guy was huffing and puffing like me walking up the stairs right uh <clears throat> trevor it seems like uh maybe maybe some beer would have helped him uh, in that hike <laughs> i don't know but uh what do you make of that whole discourse yeah he, he could have cracked open a cold one after that yeah that was, that was a lot <laughs> of hiking um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, it was an interesting thread of videos that we just watched between Janet Yellen and, and that guy where everyone, and this goes for everyone, especially in government where no one has any accountability, of course. So everyone gets to predict things because they're the quote unquote experts, right? And then when things turn around and they don't pan out or it goes exactly the opposite of the way that they lied to us about in most cases, then it's just they wash their hands of it and say, yeah, I'm sorry, we didn't know it was a miscalculation or we're not responsible for these other governments. We're not responsible for everything in the economy, even though we, you know, printed trillions of more dollars, even though we recommended people locking down as, as a measure. So they'll, they'll never take accountability. Um, you know, unfortunately for some of these people, I think they're going to have to wait for their their particular judgment in order to get justice. But uh, I think that's, um, you know, pray for their souls uh, because that's not going to be a, a pretty situation. Um, I, I will also say it was quite interesting, the clip that you showed beforehand with the, uh, the gift that keeps on giving, you know, quote unquote, climate change, uh, where I think it was that same guy who was talking about the 
everyone's monitoring their footprint. Uh, so that was quite quite interesting that now that same guy who's a part of the WHO treaty talk uh, and who shaped the pandemic is going to be part of, you know, who knows how they're going to monitor that. Is that going to be a, yeah. a chip or, you know, they're going to monitor every Chips single transaction or social pizza. credit score? I got to show it for Bob. Uh, Bro, oh, what? No. What are you doing? <laughs> Automatic pepper, onion, and pineapple. What is, what is wrong with you? Fantastic. That is gross. That is revoked. Oh, it, it's a taste part. sensation. It's amazing. Dude, you Trust are the me. guy that's going to get us all locked down for that. Night. <laughs> <laughs> lock us all down. Because that's the next strike on YouTube. Pizza. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We're not even on YouTube right now. You know how much team beer I'm going to need to put to put down to try and wash the taste of pineapple pizza out of my mouth? It's like, only a logical pineapple. deduction. It's a logical progression from vegetables on pizza. Vegetables in general do not belong on pizza. Once you take, you're going to go to the step to get vegetables on your pizza. It's only a matter of time before you accept fruit. So, brother, are you saying that's the slippery slope argument? It, it is. It <laughs> is. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of slippery slopes, what uh, what what's your, uh, your your view of that that long clip that we just watched? Let's see. I mean, uh, kudos to the guy who was aggressively asking those questions because uh, <laughs> you'd think they had snipers on top top of the WHO building. I mean, the things that they do in there is kind of. I mean, they control the White House, so you'd think that they uh, would protect um, information as much as they can, but. I mean, obviously, the guy who was answering the question was was a bit uh, he was a bit of a professional in the sense that he had the ready to go to answers um, that made it seem like that well that they care about people, etc. But it's always interesting when when you have someone who's white and old talking to a young millennial minority, so to speak, from from Australia. Um, with the, yeah, um, and. Uh, they always talking in this demeaning manner, like saying, like, listen, we know what's best for you. We know how to make poor people rich. We know what's, what's best for poor people. And poor people just need to listen to us. They just need to accept us as their masters. And, of course, I mean, back in the day in, in, in everywhere, slavery had, had – they call it chain slavery, where, we, where the people would, would you know put chains around the ankles and, and, and wrists and all that kind of stuff. Today, the chain is money. Um, and, that, and, and political power. And, and so these people are, are literally like chaining people up with their power, with, with their money and, and forcing them to do as they, as they please, as they wish. Um, of course they can use it. They can create uh, reasons to, to enforce any sort of draconian measure on, on a large population and they can uh, use altruism as, as an excuse. But when, when nobody falls for it, when nobody buys it, uh, and this is where we get this tension and stuff. So um, we need to open our eyes and, and know who our, who our modern slave masters are. Um, and, and and say and, and find other ways not to not to cooperate with them. Yeah. Then uh, speaking of trust, uh, Rebel News had another reporter um, going about and uh, interviewing some of these attendees about the trust. How do you think trust was lost in the first place? Was it lost? That's what the World Economic Forum titled this year's Davos meeting, working together to regain trust. So obviously they think that trust was lost somehow. Do you think that the citizens should trust the people here down there in that building at the World Economic Forum meeting? I think so, yeah. If we deliver the right message, yes. So it's all about messaging. So you think that the citizens should trust the World Economic Forum? I think so, yes. There you have it. That's from the Gulf International Bank. Trust is not lost. You're at a you're at an event where the leaders called the event working together to regain trust. But you're saying that trust was not lost. The trust is never lost. I don't know. The trust was lost. 
Well, then why would you call it regain trust if it was never lost? I didn't call it anything. Thanks. That's what Davos is calling it. Thank you. Why do you think the trust was lost? Uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm running for a meeting. I do apologize. Together, on my way to a meeting. You're on your way to a meeting. Yeah. Okay. So do you think that the global population should, should trust uh, the people here who are at the World Economic Forum? Sometimes it's difficult for them to do so because they feel so far removed from the decision makers, mm -hmm. the people, uh, the people who sort of move the world. Let me go back a little bit. The oh, people in the community move the world. Mm -hmm. And there's a perception the that... The people, I mean, Klaus Schwab did say a couple days ago that it was these people, you, uh, that move the world. Ooh, everyone moves the world. We should, so you, dis you disagree with that statement, with Klaus's statement? No, I don't want to disagree with Klaus. Uh, even Klaus, though that even they're though saying that working together to re regain trust, you're saying that trust was not lost. Yeah. <laughs> they all did. Yeah. <laughs> we all do it. Uh, yeah, the people who move, I need to know. That's because he actually saw the sniper on top. He's like, mm, you might want to rephrase that. Yeah, statement. right. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of trust, and I, I don't know about you guys, but this just absolutely gives me trust in the elites and everything they're about to do for, for us to because it gives me her life so much better. Powerful entities in the world after thousands of years, during which humans were the rulers of the of the world, authority and power will shift away from humans to computers, and most humans will become economically useless and politically powerless. Already today, we are beginning to see the creation of a new class of humans, the useless class. Just as the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century created the new working class, the proletariat, so now the artificial intelligence revolution is beginning to create the useless class. The useless class, which uh, I imagine includes all of us. Um, let's mix it up a bit here. Uh, Trevor? Uh, yeah, uh, that, that first of all, that guy's, uh, I've seen plenty of clips from that guy and, and he's, he's pretty creepy. Uh, so go watch more of him. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to me, um, that they think that, yeah, I mean, we're going to basically become useless and basically be on, uh, government payments or something like that. Obviously, you know, 2030 live in a pod, eat bugs. I mean, I think that's kind of baked right into it, right? Because you're absolutely right, Ryan. I mean, we're all at the end of the day going to be deemed, except for the elites, as useless in society, and so we're, we're heading there, and that's that's the ultimate plan. Uh, that I don't know that we're quite going to get there the way that it's going to uh, that they think it's going to pan out, because I think, uh, as Rick said earlier, uh, just because they plan some of these things out, I don't know that they always anticipate the uh, the pushback that's going to come from some of these things. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know that it's going to pan out quite like that, but I think that that's kind of their dream at the end of the day, obviously, is, is that guy elaborated on. So, Rick, <coughs> excuse me, how about you? As, uh, how does it feel to be part of the useless class? Are we part of the useless class? Well, I mean, when he said useless class, I thought he was talking about the Democratic Party, to be totally honest with you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> as long as you're not talking about me, buddy. But it's just, I'm sorry. Every time I see this skinny, little, pathetic, effeminate man talk about technology, it just reminds me of the nerd in high school who's like, I'm going to create something someday. You're all going to be sorry. Shut up, you little supervillain. Get out of here with your own nonsense talking about how, you know, oh, the computers are going to do whatever, man. 
you're just you're gonna get beat up. You're gonna get a wedgie at some point, and it's just gonna be it's gonna be enough because these guys are too reliant on technology. They're too much reliant on the the future man. That the technology is gonna save them, and even Elon Musk is in this way too. And yes, and they're trying to replace God with technology, and and, and they're trying to show their superiority to God. It, it's not me you got to worry about, you little skinny brat. It's 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 God's judgment if you keep pushing this. And then when I talk about resistance, I'm talking about the fact that these guys are going to continue to push against the Almighty and, and trying to talk about we are going to do creation and we're going to we're going to rule the world. Nah, bro, you, you realize at the end that pride is going to get you absolutely. It's going to put you in a place you're not going to enjoy. Uh, so this guy is more just fodder for me because he's just such a little. Oh, I, I already said my piece, and if I continue, I'm going to start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send him to outer space to find another race. Yeah, like Elon's the cool nerd. That's it. Right? <laughs> he, he's, I've said it before. He's the cooler, hipper version of Bill Gates, who's going to sell you the same garbage, plus the brain chip to uh, rewire yeah. you and, and whatever else. Brother Martin, uh, the useless class. Is it... Uh, Technology really seems to be able to, I mean, we look at the way that economics works and the development of technology, naturally speaking, in, a, in a, say, a given community, a technology comes around that makes what half the people do obsolete. And historically, prior to the concentration of all capital in like fewer and fewer hands through banks, through industrialists and whatnot, the, if people could weather that and people could adjust how they produce technology. But once it's all centralized... In the, in the factories in the 18th century and, and uh, through the banks. Now you have a, a, a completely uh, propertyless class. It's lost everything. And they, there is really nothing for them to do except go work in the faculty factories for, you know, 10 cents or whatnot. And then humanitarianism comes and no, you can't do that. And then we have various laws that make up our social makeup since then in all the conflicts. And I'm not trying to say any one side of that is good or bad. Is it necessary that we're walking into a place where that's going to happen again, but the AI element of things is going to make it so that we really have nothing to do and no way to earn our bread? No, I think you hit the nail on the head in that sense, in the sense that uh, if there's a whole class of people that don't have any jobs and all they can do is manual labor. And so for the jobs that are left from manual, manual labor, it definitely t- takes the cost of, of labor down because you have so many people competing for it. You have a, a higher demand for those jobs than um, – and so employers could, of course, lower the price uh, because of the demand and, and lower the paychecks. And so you have a lot more people um, either jobless or, or making below what they need to survive um, in this economy. And, and you create problems there, too. So it is a, a kind of a second wave of industrialism. It might be a little bit cleaner in the sense that you don't have child labor. You don't have uh, situations where you know people are constantly dying at work because in a lot of scenarios, technology is a lot safer, uh, safer environments like working at CVS or McDonald's or whatever else. But it does also uh, make change the scale for the, the scope of education in the sense that if you want to rise above that class, then you have to be able to to do something, produce some, you know, have some sort of a trade um, or do something that's worthwhile. No technology. Learn learn how to use the technology, because if you know how to use the technology, you can rise to some sort of management position as opposed to um, just just pressing buttons on a screen. Um, so it, it, it does change. Uh, I don't know about calling them useless. That was that was pretty. And it's almost called, like calling them undesirable, like el- eliminatable, uh, able to be eliminated. Um, very, very, very uh, uh, national socialist right. Germany, 1939. Hey, if they're uh, useless, useless eaters, you know, let's get rid of them. 
Yeah. Right. At, uh, they're they're <laughs> or, or actually more like that line in uh, the first Matrix movie when uh, Agent Smith is having a philosophical discussion with Morpheus. And it says, you know, human beings are the cancer of this planet. And we, the AI, of course, are here to uh, eliminate it. What do you think we input. need to do? Oh, oh we need a revolution. Yeah, and we need it no, now. Not, not later. Now. Unless All right, Granny. <laughs> so uh, the uh, the next stage is we're going to move to the groomer segment. So we have to give the mandatory uh, warning if you're letting your kids watch the rundown, if, uh, you know, that that's great. We love that uh, you trust us enough that you want to have them, you know, watching. But there's going to be some disturbing stuff as usual. Not Although uh, I didn't load nearly as much as uh, what normally gets put up, but still it is pretty disturbing. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and then um, we will be back at it. So we all know what month it is, uh, what month it should be, the month of the Sacred Heart, the, the month to celebrate our Lord's love for men, manifested to St. Margaret Mary through the Sacred Heart. But, well, society has decided uh, on, on something else for uh, this month. That is a middle school. That is a man. Uh, say no more. Um, here is another school district on uh, making Pride Month forever. Um, so we have, re you know, received emails about um, the action item where the LGBT or the, I guess, prog progress Pride flags um, should would be raised starting in June um, all year round. Um, so I would like to hear a little bit more about um, kind of your your thought process and your rationale. Yes. So Oak Grove School District would not be the first public agency in this county to fly the progress flag year round. Um, the other public agency that does that already is the county of Santa Clara itself. Anybody that visits the county of Santa Clara's building on West Heading Street mm -hmm will see the progress flag flying there every day of the year. I used, uh, in my current role right now, I would work there a couple of days a week and every single time as an employee, when I see that flag, I would know that this is a county that I feel welcomed at. This is the county that supports my rights too. So the Oak Grove School District is taking precedent from the County of Santa Clara. 
um, for doing this and hopefully other school districts can follow suit. And lastly, the reason why every day is because we want LGBTQ parents, we want straight parents, we want every type of family, no matter what they are, to look at any of our schools at our district and know immediately that this is a district where their families will be respected. This is a district that respects and supports and gives resources to LGBTQ families and, and parents and students and staff. We visit. Or know uh, where not to send our kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, man, uh, Rick, uh, Pride Month. <laughs> All right, excellent. Let me give you a little background to you guys. Before I, I started working at the Crusade Channel and doing the Armed Catholic, I was a teacher for 10 years. I taught in Fort Worth, I taught in Dallas, and I taught a little charter school in uh, in Euless in Texas. So the when I listened to the the people in that committee meeting and you listen to the inflections and you have to understand and I know there's one good teacher out of 10 that are trying to do the right thing I get it I worked with them most of these people you're dealing with are adults that never mentally graduated out of high school they're stuck for one reason or another whether they were bullied whether that was their high point they stopped mentally maturing at that age so that's why they buy into this nonsense of acceptability, intolerance, and all of this other garbage, knickknack nonsense, Mickey Mouse stupid stuff that you hear from these people on a daily basis. That's why they run to TikTok or they run to, to Instagram to, to emotionally vomit all of their, their thoughts and opinions on this. And when you hear, first, you know, that dude who thinks he's, he's all hot mama stuff in, in them. That dude's getting ratioed by the kids. They yeah. may be clapping, but those, those, those kids are just lighting that guy up. So you may think you're empowered, but you are nothing more than a joke to those kids. Uh, secondly, the idea that you're going to raise the progress flag, which is becoming, it needs to have a seizure warning on it at this point. There's so many colors, symbols, and shapes on it that if it's flying in the wind, it's going to knock people out from having seizures. But if you're going to put that sucker up at a school, what you're doing, what do you what do you do when you raise a flag over something? You're showing that you've conquered that institution. You're showing that you have now dominance over that area. And what is that a message to? That's a message to anybody who has any kind of value that is normal, that believes in the natural order, that believes that, you know, that teachers shouldn't be pushing this stuff and that you shouldn't influence kids that are not mentally formed, that they're very impressionable, that this is a place that does not support that, that this is a hostile environment if they're going to fly that flag. And it absolutely, that's why, I mean, it's one of the many reasons I don't teach anymore, but um, it just absolutely just, it, it sends me over the edge when I hear these grown children push this nonsense. And the only thing they have over the students is age. And this, this air of superiority that they get by having the teacher label. And they use that label to, to promote and to indoctrinate. And it just, I, I cannot stand it. It just burns me up every time I see these people. I'm so happy that I, no one cares, dude. You're an adult. Grow up. <laughs> Nobody cares what your feelings are. You, you go, you deal with it day to day. Oh, your flag's not there. Get over it, man. Speaking of uh, going to vomit it up on TikTok, here is a, teach, a teacher <coughs> losing it, and you can tell she's just coming off a big crying session because 
uh, children she's trying to groom uh, aren't buying it. So today in Queer Teacher Things, um, one of my students asked about my roommate, um, because I know I have a roommate, and I told them their name, and they asked my roommate was a boy or a girl, and I said, neither. And they were like, no, Miss Brown, are they a boy or a girl? I was like, my friend, they're neither. They were like, well, do they have a boy name or a girl name? And I said, neither. And they said, well, do they wear boy clothes or girl clothes? And I said, well, what are boy clothes and girl clothes? And they go, you know. And I said, no, my friend, I don't know. What are boy clothes and girl clothes? And they said, well, what kind of clothes do they wear? And I said, well, they normally wear jeans and a t-shirt. And they said, well, what color is the t-shirt? And I said, all colors. And they said, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I said, it doesn't have to make sense. And then they walked away because they got mad at me. They got mad. Uh Trevor, I don't know about you, um, but I don't know. When I was in school, <clears throat> teachers didn't really talk about even, I mean, they didn't even talk about their husbands, honestly, let alone. And I think I remember at middle school, we did have a, <coughs> excuse me, we had a lesbian teacher. She never mentioned her partner. She never talked about sex. She never uh, got into any of these kind of weird discussions or to convince us all this stuff was good. She was about teaching social studies. And that's it. Uh, I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. Did you have the same experience? Well, you know what? I'm going to say that my teacher did talk about her husband a lot. Well, just because it was my mom. So I was homeschooled most of the time. <laughs> um, but so I can't really say that I had quite the same experience. Um, you just but... wait till your father gets up. <laughs> it was Dude, I was exactly. just spit <laughs> I was just I was well done. <laughs> yeah, so that yeah, so that that's what happened to me. I had to wait till the principal came home. Um, but yeah, no, the um, the, the schools are crazy. Well, first of all, a few things. First of all, I loved her. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but she had Ukrainian painted uh, flag fingernails uh, polish, which is fantastic. <laughs> <Yeah>. Touch. <laughs> uh, but yeah. This is a, uh, I did, I'm a little bit confused because I, maybe this is the uh, public school is a mortal sin segment uh, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a, uh, I think a really good, and th- these TikTok videos as well. I mean, if they do, if they do anything besides from, if people get a good kick out of how insane some of these people are that are on TikTok, it, I think if anything is driving parents to get their kids out of public school, government school, uh, because you see these things and even if you don't know what's going on in the background, I know a lot of parents, you know, will claim ignorance that, oh, I don't know what's going on in the school. I think a lot of that uh, dissipated, especially, you know, 2020, 2021, when kids were at home and parents became a little bit more engaged with what was going on. But I think that the loops of TikTok, if it does anything out of, you know, benefit of the account the number one thing that it's doing is telling parents you need to get your kids into some type of private school to very least charter school uh or preferably homeschool i'd say i know that um my parents probably knew very little what was really going on except uh, when report cards came home and i had to proffer up some kind of explanation uh, which uh, that's usually how it went. I'm just bad at um, taking tests. I'm just bad at taking tests. Right? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah, except for the homework grade was on there, so I couldn't get out of that one. Uh, but, homework um, is racist. It is, yeah. Against white, uh, Jewish, uh, 
just became Christians, sort of, <laughs> whatever. Um, but anyway, in uh, so in my case, they really didn't know a whole lot, but not a whole lot was going on except the usual high school drama. Um, I was too nerdy and unpopular to have sex with various women that were having sex with all the cool sports guys, which is a blessing for me, uh, thankfully. I didn't know it at the time when I was barely Christian and didn't really understand things. But there is like a sense <clears> of <throat> true morality until uh, there's natural law until you would face it. Right. And so when you're that young, you haven't you know, really had the, the opportunity, the exposure to the world to have your innocence wrecked. And to begin accepting things that efface sort of a, what, what your own conscience knows from natural law, so or to malform your conscience. So th that clip again. What, what's your uh, reaction with the kids basically saying no? It's male and female. What are you talking about? Not knowing whether it's male or female. I mean, kids. I mean, I I have two two very young nephews um, that I'm watching grow up. And it's, it's always so fascinating because through young children, you, you rediscover the world again in the sense that uh, you look at things that you have become accustomed to uh, through, through new eyes. I mean, you take them to the aquarium and you see the wonder on their faces when they see a fish, when they see a shark, when they see something new. Um, having, having a background in philosophy you, you can only look at this and see, okay, which epistemological philosophy really uh, is what's happening here? Is it Kant, Kantian, Descartes, whatever, uh, Aristotelian? And and you really see that that that, re that human beings really do abstract things from from a reality that exists outside their mind, and they have questions about them. Why is it this and not this? Um, they have questions about words, about language, how they're used, um, and oftentimes they'll they'll even be so confused as to challenge you about something if if you like play games with them. You know, no, it's not this, it's this. So the very fact that children are standing up to something, it's like, you know, no, there's objectives of boy, there's a girl. There's there's clothes that boy wear, uh, boys wear, there's clothes that girls wear because they're boys and these are girls. Um, to to believe that there's a neither, they, they don't buy it. And I guess the, there's, a, there's a phrase that comes from this, you know, I, I, the truth comes out of the mouth of babes because um, you, you can't convince them from the other things that are just absolutely absurd, absolutely unnatural. You can't convince them of it. Um, but kind of going back to uh, the, the safetyness, the feeling safe because a flag is raised over a particular institution. If that's the case, every every Catholic should demand that a Vatican flag fly over every single school, uh, a Catholic Vatican flag fly on every single public school and, and public um, building, all that kind of stuff, so that, so that we feel safe. I don't know, though. Will we feel safe? Yes. Pope Francis responded to questions frequently asked by LGBT Catholics and their families in a letter addressed to the Jesuit priest, Father James Martin. In it, the Pope says that the most important thing for LGBT people to know about God is that he does not disown any of his children, adding that a church that is selective of its members is a sect. To LGBT people who have felt rejected by the church, the Pope says to recognize the rejection as not coming from the church itself, but from certain people within it. It's not the first time Pope Francis writes Father Martin to praise his work in building bridges between the church and the LGBT community. In June, he sent him a letter, writing that the heart of God is open to each and everyone. Since the start of his papacy, Pope Francis has walked the line between accepting LGBT persons and upholding church teaching, an idea he reiterated on his return trip from Georgia and Azerbaijan. Le persone si devono accompagnare 
como le acompaña Jesús. Cuando una persona que ha questa condizione arriva davanti a Gesù, Gesù non gli, non gli dirà sicuramente vattene via perché sei omosessuale. No. Quello che io ho detto è quella cattiveria, cattiveria che oggi si fa in, in, nell'indottrinamento della teoria del gender. The Pope also recommends that LGBT people read the Acts of the Apostles, where he says they will find the living image of the Church. So, uh, fly the Vatican flag upside down, maybe? Yeah, exactly. I mean, in terms of a broader notion, it's like, yeah, we don't reject them, and we don't hate them, and we don't want to persecute them, but we need to teach them and lead them to, no, no, actually, what you're suffering is a suffering because it's not natural. And we want to help you either to find a way through it if possible, and if not, to live in peace with it. We don't want to mock your suffering. We don't want to dunk on you. We don't want to <clears throat> whatever. But at the same time, we're not going to approve sinful behavior. And what I'm seeing more and more in the various avenues on uh, you know, various people on Twitter, on Facebook, on TikTok, or wherever. Well, the, the catechism is so wrong about this. Why can't we enjoy delight? Why can only heterosexual people enjoy delight? And Father Martin actually came with a real loser tweet to, today, drawing this false equivalency between um, basically normal <clears throat> sexual activity. I don't like to use that word heterosexual as if the two are equal. And that's, how, of course, how he's trying to play it. The two are equal. It's like, no, one is actually good. And one is... What's the right word? It's not going to get us further banned from something. Uh, problematic. Uh, is gross. Immoral, wrong. Um, disordered. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that it's, it's not good. It's not because you yourself are evil, but you're suffering from a disorder. And that the acts that this causes you to want to do are not good. And it seems like all that's kind of the, kind of put in the washing machine just mixed around like a, uh, you know, a red, you know, a red, a red, piece of clothing in with the whites or something like that <clears throat> i don't know uh let's see still not quite done so uh so matt walsh on this subject another catholic actually has uh, recently produced a documentary here's a clip that lines up uh, with that earlier video we saw what if a man decides that his his gender identity is is woman a woman has its own duty and a man has its own duty and a lady cannot duty the duty of a man and a man cannot do a duty of a woman. Can a man become a woman? No. No? No. What about a transgender? Transgender? No. No? It looks like to, if you want to become a lady but you're a man, you have something wrong in something your wrong. mind. Something wrong in your family, something wrong in you. What about if someone was non-binary? Come again? Non-binary? Uh-huh. You know, like non like uh, someone is is uh, you're not a woman you're not a man 
Yeah, someone's like, someone is, is neither. There's something else. Is that? He's saying we have never seen things like those. For a man, he has a penis. For a woman, he has a vagina. So we know this is a lady, this is a man. What if it's a woman with a, what if it's a woman with a penis? What? People are laughing. Is that, is that a dumb question? Come again? <laughs> but uh, all those white liberals said, we got to listen, lift up the, those black voices, lift up all those people of color. Here's the people of color. Oh. That's that's transphobic. Oh my goodness, you can't have that. Um, I don't know reactions. Yeah, I I thought that the uh, I thought that video was hilarious. But they they've also got other other clips. I haven't watched the full the full movie yet, although I really want to. Uh, I've I've really appreciated Matt's commentary throughout the years. This question, so it's really fascinating. They made a movie out of it. Uh, but there was even one one clip as well where he sat down with a psychologist or someone else and uh this guy matt was asking you know what is what is a woman it got to the question of truth and the guy stopped the interview uh because he said that you know i i don't know what truth is your truth my truth and he said that's it i'm not talking about truth no more and it just reminded me that that phrase that punches pilot said uh about you know what is truth and i think that's just what our society is struggling through right now is just a, you've got your truth. I've got my truth and there's not, there's no the truth. And so that kind of like, for me, kind of cut right to the heart of it is, you know, it doesn't really matter what the definition is at the end of the day, because for them, you just have your truth. I have my truth, but if we can't arrive and agree at there is a truth and we need to find it, then yeah, this debate and even discussing what is a woman isn't going to get us very far. Right. Uh, Rick, uh, this African tribe is mocking and laughing at the very notion of what now is being called normal, in which politicians are demanding puberty blockers and crazy expensive surgeries and all these things in order to give life-saving, affirming, uh, gender-affirming treatment that this tribe has never even heard of. How is that possible? Well, it's just a, it's a classic example of Western society being fat and lazy and looking for something to do. Um, African tribes, for lack of a better term, they ain't got time for this. They got they got to get food. They got to reproduce. They got to keep. They got to stay alive. Uh, you know, their their focus is on living naturally and, and producing families. And of course, in that tribe, there's no iPhones. In that tribe, there are no iPads. There is no. There is no technology. There's not that skinny little dude from whatever the technology. That guy's not around there, so they're they're allowed to exist and and live the way they're supposed to. And here in the West, whether it's Western Europe or here in these United States of Amazon or Australia, we're so bored because there is no there's no function. There's no families. There's no homesteading. I mean, there are people who are doing it, but most of us are in cities sitting on couches watching tv and being indoctrinated by this stuff that of course we're going to be open to this because idle hands right idle hands is the devil's work and we have an entire society 
that is idle. We're all sitting back, uh, unless you're watching the rundown, obviously, then you're doing something good for your brain. But those we're, we're sitting back playing, even people playing video games, and I'm not getting on you if you do that, but that, that physical labor or the rearing of children or the making of food or the building of things, uh, you know, that you people who do that stuff and you're like, I'm five different genders. They're like, I don't care. Here, hold this heavy thing while I build this. And they, so it's, it's, nothing, it's none of their concern. And it's really a symptom of a fat, lazy society that is open to be influenced because they don't have anything better to do. Brother? Yeah, so this whole thing about, uh, I guess we, we've grown too accustomed to calling a, an institution of higher education a university. But if we think about what the word means, uni, one, versity, turning towards, it means turning towards one thing. And, and Trevor hit the nail on the head saying it's the truth, the objective truth. We're all turn, we all go to a university to learn the truth. It was all a part of actually from, from math. All, all the liberal arts are a preparation for studying philosophy, which is a contemplation of truth. Um, and then, of course, theology. theology. Theology used to be a equivalent to metaphysics, so it was part of philosophy until divine revelation and, you know, sacred doctrine, all that kind of stuff. And so we've attributed more to, to divine revelation as opposed to the philosophy of metaphysics. But it's all toward, through the one truth, the one being, the, 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 the uncaused cause, the creator, the one God. Um, but today we celebrate not university. We celebrate diversity. Di meaning two, two or more. And so every time we celebrate diversity, we're not turning towards the one truth anymore. We're turning towards everybody in their own individual truth, whether that it be your cultural background, this or that. Um, and so that's, that's kind of one of the, the main things I think that uh, is, is harming our culture more, that the celebration of di diversity as opposed to university. Um, and so, I mean, that goes as well as all these transgender flags. You know, they don't celebrate just one thing, even though they're contra contradictory, homosexuality, versus transgenderism, all that kind of stuff. It's things are, are so controversial, even the very ac acronym LGBT. Um, but there are people that are, that are simply afraid of the truth. And if they're afraid of the truth, they won't be logical. Uh, I think I went on a rant of, a, a month or, or so ago about um, the fact that people today, it's hard to talk to them because they don't want truth. And because they don't want truth, they don't have the, um, the capacity for, for, for logic. Logic to them means nothing. Uh, precisely because the, the very premises of logic require you to abstract something from reality. They don't believe they can know reality. And so they don't, they don't believe in logic anymore. And so even as Catholics, especially growing, uh, when you just rediscover your faith, you probably go to college campus. They're probably teaching you Ratzinger, um, telling, teaching, introducing you to philosophy and Aquinas, all this kind of stuff. They really celebrate logic and like, Oh, the Catholic faith is logical. You should really love it. It's all great. But then you go out into the world and try to be logical. Oh, you guys, you should love this because it's logical. But the world doesn't want logic anymore. And so there's a huge rupture between uh, what we love and what the world wants. And so we think we can still continue to dialogue with the world by, you know, James Martin saying, oh, let's build a bridge. And, and the Pope, oh, yeah, let's build a bridge. We can't dialogue with it anymore. They don't want, they don't, they don't want the truth. They've, they've made the ultimate, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're the Jews today saying crucify him, crucify him, whenever they don't even uh, want logic. And so if that's the case, there's nothing left but to fight. Speaking of not wanting logic... Uh, here's another clip from uh, the aforesaid Mr. Walsh. For the first time in history. Oh, sorry. That's the wrong one. This one. Male gametes. That's what makes me male. No. Your, your sperm don't make you male. Then what does? It's a constellation. In reality. In truth. Okay. Whose truth are we talking about? The same truth that says we're sitting in this room right now, you and I. No. 
You're not listening. If I, if I see a chicken laying eggs and I say that's a female chicken laying eggs, did I assign female or am I just observing a physical reality that's happening in the world? Does a chicken have gender identity? Does a chicken cry? Well, a Does chi a chicken commit suicide? Let's frame it because you're talking, you're trying. A chicken to has sex like any, like any biological organism. A chicken has organism. an assigned gender, but a chicken doesn't have a gender identity. So we assign female to chickens when they lay eggs? That's a, we that's assume they're female if they lay eggs. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm going to have to watch the documentary to see how the rest of that conversation goes. But it, um, how do you even have reason with what's inherently unreasonable? And that's the thing. And from where they're sitting, um, uh, Chester did talks about the person is perfectly mentally insane, thinks he is perfectly logical and reasonable. And, and here we're kind of facing that, where you have things that really are legitimately mentally insane. I mean, just, just 20 years ago. They would have put you in a rubber room for that. Well, maybe not 20, 30 at least, 30, 40. <laughs> yeah. Easy there. <laughs> well, the, the very philosopher that gave us liberalism, John Locke, he also mm -hmm. believed words were merely labels. Right. Uh, they didn't refer to something in, in reality. Well, here we have this lady just saying in, in another way that words are merely labels, that gender is a sign. Well, that means male or female is simply a word with a label that we decide what to attach to wherever. So this is a direct re uh, result of liberal liberalism in American democracy. What gender is Tridentine beer? <laughs> you know, usually when this comes up and I like to troll people, I, I usually tell them that I'm uh, my name is Imperial Majesty uh, or, you know, something of that effect. Um, so I, I usually try to to play that one off. And I've even made a little um, placard that lists off all my titles, you know, King of Beer and, you know, <laughs> whatever. I kind of go down the list. So, um, yeah, the, the beer itself, it's kind of kind of an unknown, um, but it is it is very so uh, royal fluid. Regal. It is it is fluid. It is fluid. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you got to respect it. Although in Italian and Spanish, it's feminine. Yeah. <laughs> Latin oh, I didn't know that. You know, well, that's their right. truth, Ryan. Obviously. <laughs> right, obviously. <laughs> Speaking of building a bridge, uh, the Pope built a bridge with his selection of a new cardinal. Uh, Cardinal uh, Robert McElroy, the uh, Bishop of San Diego, not an Archbishop, not a big uh, C, which normally receives a Cardinal's hat, but he was a McCarrick protege and he was very close to uh, not just McCarrick, but also Supich and Tobin um, and the, the whole in Gregory, right? The whole group. Um, I had a whole bunch, but we're running on two hours. And so we're going to kind of bring this closer with two clips. Here's the first one of McElroy speaking before a dissidents priest uh, conference, this body uh, association of Catholic priests. I can't remember the, the full acronym stands for it. Probably come up when I do the video, uh, which is, and of course he's appearing without any clerics whatsoever. And this particular group uh, supports women's ordination, uh, supports birth control, supports all, all these heterodox things. And here is the Pope's latest choice for Cardinal. Pastoral church must be a non-judgmental church. There is no sin which Jesus mentions more frequently in the gospel than the sin of judgmentalism. For it is a sin so easy for us all in our humanity to fall into. It is a mystery of the human soul why men and women feel better about themselves when they can point to the faults of others. Exactly. Like, um... oh, somebody keeps coming out talking about people who are rigid. 
and describing a whole group of people he knows nothing about as rigid and saying their prayers are empty because they like a dead language, supposedly, um, or uh, and have no nothing's behind it. It's all this lifeless thing. Let me think. There's somebody that keeps doing that. Uh, a priest who wears Saturno is obviously rigid and of a bad character. Um, or those families that reproduce like rabbits like rabbits Um, (laughs) yeah so that's the guy uh, that is now going to be I'm I'm glad that guy believes in casual Fridays right Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean I couldn't tell the difference between him and a substitute teacher like what are you doing buddy Actually, uh, even when I was a sub, I wore a tie. But uh, anyway, <laughs> the only, I mean, you got to do something to get the respect because otherwise you're a sub, you're coming in there, you're going to be abused if you dress casual. But yeah, um, yeah. anyway, here's his liturgy. He hasn't, doesn't have any public statements so much on liturgy, but here is uh, it's certainly his vision of it. Oh, sacred head surrounded by I'm trembling. <laughs> um, I haven't been to the Novus Ordo in so long that it's, you know, it, maybe that's normal and uh, maybe that's perfectly normative. But I know in traditional uh, rites, like the uh, the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, the traditional Latin mass, it's only an ordained minister who brings the, the vessels and prepares them, even a subdeacon in the traditional Roman rite. Um, even if he's a full-on subdeacon and not just tonsured, uh, he's not allowed he, he there's he's not permitted to set everything only the deacon can do that and so and and at a, a divine liturgy saint john chrysostom it's the priest or it's the deacon it's you're not you know going to have some uh a layman come up and do that let alone a woman come in from outside the or or you know be up there doing that so that is maybe again maybe that's perfectly normative in the novus ordo but it's obviously Tells you where he's at, and uh, with uh, Traditions Custodes, um, I will share this. Well, let's be real, it is showing a woman's place in the kitchen, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah indeed, um, there is that. So <laughs> here is uh, Bishop McElroy's, uh, you know, answer to uh, Traditions Custodes last August, uh, Jailers of the Tradition, as we affectionately call it here in the rundown. Um <laughs> And so, you know, all the usual gobbledygook, uh, greatest gift to the Second Vatican Council is the liturgical right, even though there is, even amongst people that totally love Vatican II, there's a serious question about whether the current missile is, in fact, what they anticipated or imagined at Vatican II. But anyway, let's, uh, you know, we have kind of, the, you know, the repetition of everything that's in uh, Traditus Custodes. But, you know, now the, the reconciliation they hope for, it just hasn't happened and uh, so Pope Francis, obviously, you know, repeats everything from TC. We'll skip that. But the real draconian part. 
so he's met with the the people who go to you know to the traditional masses in his diocese and he wants to emphasize that you know oh they all accept the legitimacy of Vatican II and Paul VI so now their participation trophy the fraternity will keep them going because I, I can't do much about them but now you parishes up here well since you're so nice and, and affirm Vatican II, and obviously you're not the type of people that the Holy Father is worried about, we're going to strip you of your parishes. Um, I don't have a highlight option up here, but um, you know we're going to strip you of all your parishes. We're going to take that away and stick you in the Indian Mission Church at the casino. And that's where you got to go, no matter where you happen to be. <laughs> um, that's what you got to drive to. So... Um, anyway, so that's, that's the mercy, uh, you know, the, the great mercy that is now being employed, uh, you know, by our, our great non-judgmental uh, cardinal elect. Yeah. I don't got much to say about that. These, these, um, th these people in the hierarchy are going to continue to act the way they act. And, uh, the, there's, there's nothing you can do about that. And, um, like I said, that, I don't, the, the, yeah, I got nothing. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Trent or Trevor, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I guess this isn't, this isn't too surprising, at least an appointment from, from Pope Francis. I mean, there's, there's some others in the same vein as, uh, you know, Cardinal elect McElroy. Um, but yeah, obviously France, you know, Pope Francis is kind of stacking, stacking the deck at least, um, you know, for the, uh, the next conclave, um, so, yeah, he's very intentional in that, at least differentiating himself from JP2 and Benedict in that, you know, both of them were didn't have as much of a litmus test. But it was very clear that Pope Francis wants to send a message, even I think that his secretary or um, communications department even said that they're sending a message by having Cardinal McElroy. This is the direction that they want the American church <laughs> to go in. So, you know, Pope Francis is very clear. Um, Cardinal McElroy is again, as you said, in the same vein as people like Cardinal Supich and, and Tobin and, and others. Um, so yeah, I guess it wasn't, wasn't too much of a surprise that, you know, we get someone very similar to that, unfortunately. Uh, brother, last word before we head off to uh, the last segment. At this point, I'm not surprised that more of this stuff is happening. We've been saying it for the last two years in the rundown that this is the trajectory. This is where it's eventually going to lead. I guess what I'm more surprised with all of this news is that there's still some people that are that aren't aren't fully awake yet. You know that that somehow they think that next week they're they're going to see better days. That somehow Pope Francis is going to die before the next consistory so that these cardinals won't get elected. Like, listen, as a church, we obviously haven't been but as pleasing to God as, as, as he desires us to be. And so he's sending us this chastisement so that we get whipped into shape. But if you're not awake, you're not going to get whipped into shape. If you're not, if you don't acknowledge the situation uh, that we're in, you're probably not going to do penance in order to repair it. Um, so you need to be awake to the fact that things are going to get even worse before they get better. Um, I can absolutely foresee with all of the commissions that Pope Francis has done regarding women's deacons, him not ordaining women's deacons, but commissioning women's deacons in the sense that what you just saw, all the duties of a deacon, you know, at the altar, the Pope has simply commissioned women to be deacons, give them those particular duties, basically everything besides uh, giving a blessing in the name of the church and maybe even preaching, you know, homilies, uh, everything else besides, I mean, he can stop on vestments, on her if she wants if he, he wants um 
you know, and, and make it all, all look like that. Um, and so he, he's not dumb in, in the sense that he's not going to ordain them because that will be uh, completely contrafide, but he'll commission them. And so I can, I can, he's, he's not dumb. He's smart. He's smart. He knows how to get around things just like he did with the, with the women lectors. He didn't dress them up in owls or whatever else, uh, uh, casting and surpluses to, to ordain them lectors, but simply commission them, all that kind of stuff. Um, where's Chewy? He's not here right now. I miss Chewy. <laughs> but, uh, that's that's kind of the, the, the situation is is it's only going to get worse before it gets better does it affect us immediately well for those of us that are the church latin mass not necessarily though a bunch of new cardinals were also appointed to the congregation for the divine worship which is going to be uh demoted in a sense to the dicastery of divine worship uh and the dis- disciplinary uh, of the sacraments um so there he's, he's putting everything in place really to, to abrogate the traditional latin mass to simply say it's illegal for anybody to offer it everything's falling into place whether people say Oh, the FSSB have their constitution. The Institute of Christ the King have their constitution. They're put, their communities of pontifical right. The Pope can simply say, you know what? These constitutions don't exist anymore. X them out. Show them away. You guys have to come up with new constitutions. You have to offer the Novus Ordo. The Pope can do that like this. Like this. Like this. For those that th- really think their constitutions protect the fraternity of St. Peter, the constitutions protect the Institute of Christ the King or the Institute of Good, uh, the Good Shepherd. Not really when, 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 when the, uh, the malice is coming from the Pope himself. Right. And uh, like so many things, of course, that we're not going to have time to get to, but uh, you see uh, uh, Bishop Ray of the Diocese of uh, uh, Frejuli, Toulon. I, I, I got the first part wrong, I'm sure. Uh, the one is the bishop over Dom Elko and Reed. We were talking about that a few weeks ago. And his ordinations just got canceled. And, uh, you know, why? Well, because uh, he's the seminary is too traditional. In France, where they have hardly any priests, right? And then, uh, you know, so many other things that we could talk about, but we'll have to save for another week because now we got a grift. Okay, uh, Rick, you're up first, the armed Catholic. Tell us about uh, what you do, where you want people to go to, as well as uh, your work with uh, church and everything else. Well, once again, thank you guys. I appreciate the opportunity to do so. Uh, the Armed Catholic is an organization, an organization that I started last year with the goal of educating Catholics in the use, the correct use, the defensive use of firearms. Uh, if you go to thearmedcatholic.com, you'll see I have the magisterium, I have scriptures, I have quotes from saints and popes that back up the fact that as a Catholic, there is nothing prohibiting you from using a firearm to protect you and your family and to the men who are watching. It is your duty to be at least knowledgeable in how these things work so you can protect your wife, so you can protect your kids. Uh, I'm also a licensed and certified USCCA, United States Concealed Carry Association instructor. And uh, if your parish wants me to come out there, I do church defense plans, uh, I have several courses, legal use of force. Uh, I have um, introduction to AR-15s and pistols and and defensive mindsets. We talk about a whole bunch of different things. Uh, and I've got a couple of parishes that want me to come out in the fall to, to talk to their parishes and, and, and consult with church defense plans and, and things of that nature. Uh, so you can email me info at thearmcatholic.com. 
if you'd like me to come out or if you have a question, be more than happy to uh, to, to dialogue, right? Dialogue. To talk with you about anything I can do to help you or your parish or your community um, be more knowledgeable in the use of firearms and, and the fact that you have a right as a Catholic to use them. Uh, I'm also on the Crusade Channel, crusadechannel.com, every day, 11 to 2 Eastern time uh, with my show, The Bear Brief, where I kind of just talk nonsense for three hours. So uh, once again, thank you guys for letting me be on. No, we're glad to have you. And so um, let's see, who do you want to go to? Trevor, uh, Tridentine Brews, you're up. Yeah, that clip the clip never gets old. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, thanks again for having me on. Um, so uh, just a few things about Tridentine Brewing. So we are a, a home brewery, at least for right now. Uh, still looking at you know commercial options. Uh, so we we brew at our at our house. Uh, so you can check us out at tridentinebrewing.com. Uh, you can email us at info at tridentinebrewing.com as well, uh, or stay in touch with us at, at Tridentine Brew on Twitter or at Tridentine Brewing on Instagram and on Gab. Uh, so keep up with the latest of what's going on. Um, a few things I will say, um, things that are coming up or have happened recently. So we are going to be opening up and speaking of grifting an online store here for swag. So, uh, for example, our signs, uh, our other things like hats or shirts and things of that nature, because we've had a lot of interest in those things. So we're going to open that up this summer. Uh, so follow us on our social media platforms for that. Uh, and the other thing I will mention is I have a, uh, we did a collaboration with the uh, mass of the ages. So we did a beer with them. Uh, so if you haven't watched mass of the ages episode two or episode one, I'd highly, highly encourage you to go out and watch both of those episodes. Okay. Also in uh, the arm Catholic doc, just the arm Catholic on Instagram because uh, Trevor told me about that. So I'm like, Oh, I forgot to plug that. So yeah. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to stomp all over him and just be like, the arm Catholic on Instagram. <laughs> and I can confirm uh, that uh, if you follow Tridentine Brewing on uh, Twitter, you will find lots of uh, spicy, enjoyable takes and good banter and uh, uh, etc. Brother Martin, what you got? Same Griff as last week. Uh, any church militant employee watching right now, um, can go to our contact us page on our website, oblates.sinagustin.com, and request a free calendar shipped to whatever address you want, whether it be your employer's address or your, whatever, wherever you want. Just tell me who to send it to. Um, give you a free pre-55 liturgical calendar with Augustinian saints. Or if you are a college student, go to our contact us page. Um, say you're a college student. Uh, I guess you insert your, your school email in the email slot or whatever. And uh, tell me what address to, to send this to. I've gotten already a, several requests for that. So um, looking to dish these out. So it's, I mean, you'll get half a year. It's already June, but you are a free calendar. <laughs> What's that uh, a discount? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Discount free. It should fit your college budgets. <laughs> right? Okay. Very good. And of course, uh, Mike is uh, about. Uh, on location with various things, as you might have heard if you 
follow his Twitter. So uh, keep him in your prayers and, uh, you know, refer back to previous episodes for his particular grift. Um, you know about that. So moving to the next one. And uh, month of the Sacred Heart. Um, I don't remember if I had this to show last week. Maybe I did. But um, anyway, this I shipped out, uh, I think, every order, unless uh, there's like one or two still hanging around um, because they were hardcover and I ran out. And so I'm just waiting for a couple more. And, um, you know, we'll have that together. So a lot of shipping delays I'm getting these days because of supply issues. So thank you for your continued patience with that um and other things and so the press is still you know we're continuing to grow and we can really use your support right now as i mentioned last week uh we have to move and so there's a few things i've got to get taken care of in order to secure a loan for the property we're hoping to get something some modest thing on uh in order to to build um i'm not opening up uh you know like donations because i don't want to beg for money to you know, for free, I mean, because I have lots of means, I have lots of kids, we, you know, put need to put, uh, you know, food on the table for various things. I have other interests, other things I have to invest in with the press. And I don't want to be sitting here saying, yeah, just give me your money because you're working hard and you're suffering under the current state of the world right now too. And so I'd rather give you something for your money rather than, so go to, you know, there's that book that you wanted to get. Now is a great time to get it. www.mediatrixpress.com. And we really appreciate any and all support you can give. And so with that, we have the unpopular opinion segment. And usually uh, when Mike is here running things, we start with me. But uh, since I am in charge today, we're going to start with brother. Unpopular opinions. All right, here we go. Unpopular opinion. Um, in the traditional Latin mass, the second confidior is not necessary in the sense that uh, in the church's history in the in the past the faithful used to receive communion outside of mass and the way the the right went for receiving holy communion outside of mass it began with the two altar servers kneeling saying the confidior and the priest turning around after having you know opened the tabernacle and everything saying all that stuff. Um, so previously, that part wasn't exactly in the mass. But when things developed in the sense that the lady started receiving communion at mass, they just took the right of receiving communion outside of mass and just kind of st stuck that in. And so it was never really part of the rubrics of the actual mass, all that kind of stuff. It was just something that was it literally another another right right a ritual uh, place within the within the context of the mass and so a lot of people are usually um kind of scandalized whenever the second confeder isn't set at mass or so many arguments have been put forward oh the difference between the traditional Latin mass and Novus Ordo. oh i really feel a lot better with the second confeder well it was it wasn't really there in the first place it's not really a, a part of the mass and it was just kind of a hiccup <laughs> in being placed inside of it so that's my unpopular opinion Okay, one second here. My tab's not reloading. Um, I'll take you off in a second as soon as it brings me back to the stream. I'll just, I'll just, don't worry, I'll just sit here and smile. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there you go, guys. All right, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> okay, so uh, Rick Barrett, what do you have for an 
unpopular opinion? Oof. Where do I begin? Um, I actually didn't prep for this segment because uh, I, I just didn't. I got a couple of them, but um, yeah, give us I, something. So I, my unpopular opinion, and I think it actually echoes what has been said on the rundown before. But cryptocurrency is garbage, and it's starting to show that all of you and I love you, crypto bros. Every time I say stuff, you guys blow me out of the water about how it's it's the thing that's going to save everybody. It's digital uh, cryptocurrency has been the psyop for central currency for the the adaptation of central digital bank currency which is going to lead to the social credit score um so the the idea that everybody should you know you had these people that were all about bitcoin uh and that bitcoin was going to be the savior for anything through inflation y'all gotta be out of your blanking minds if you thought that the u.s government was going to allow a competing currency to exist um, without completely finding a way to demolish it, and we're seeing that now. Uh, we have bun- we have many different um, organizations saying that the the that the the cryptocurrency idea is going to fall apart. Um, and I think anybody that has not, if you invested in it, that's fine. But if you went all in on it and you chastised everybody else because they didn't go in all in on Bitcoin. you're getting what you deserve because anything that's connected to the internet, anything that's connected to the grid, they control. You can talk to me about blockchains until you're blue in the face, but if it's on the internet, if it's not something that you can physically hold, if it's not something that you can grow, eat or shoot, um, then it is essentially worthless uh, because too many people believed in the technology of Bitcoin that they turn their back on the traditional means of getting through tough times, which is food, which is defense, which is shelter, which is water. Um, And so my unpopular opinion is everybody that went all in on cryptocurrency, you're getting what you deserve. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. Trevor, what you got? All right. After after Rick just took a shot at uh, Eric Salmons, I'll go ahead with uh, mine. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So mine. Okay. So I, I, I put this out there uh, on Twitter before because I've I've seen it in in real life. Um, so for the men out there, for the fathers out there at mass, and I get that there's exceptions. So before everyone starts saying, "Oh, but Trevor about this or that," or uh, whatever, just in general, I think that, you know, men need to step up. If there is a, a kid that's acting up, not saying that, Hey, if kids are acting up or crying at church, that's to be expected. I think it's, it's fantastic when people bring kids, kids with the church. Um, but definitely men don't let your wife sit there and struggle. Um, I've seen it in person a lot where the husband acts like totally aloof, like it's not happening. And these kids are crawling all over the mom, like, you know, step up, you're the head of the household. You need to, to lead or help take a kid to the back. Sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes, you know, if the baby's breastfeeding, you know, it, it's a mom that has to move or whatever. And that's, that's fine. But, uh, you know, men lead, it's your role as head of the household to 
oversee everything actually you know your wife is a helpmate uh so you need to not absolve yourself uh when you're in church of that responsibility to take order of your of your own household and your children uh so just my my two cents because it seems like wherever i go there's always one or two fathers that uh <laughs> fall into that trap so that's my my unpopular opinion that the uh you know men can do a better job of stepping up not not all men just some that are out there for right. the record i do enjoy eric salmon's work so i do <laughs> yeah i do like eric i do like eric <laughs> gonna cut that clip rick and i'm gonna send it to eric <laughs> hey you said unpopular opinions man in the, in the words of the of the mighty yep. midget max don't care about your feelings bro right, right. <laughs> Okay, so my unpopular opinion, um, let's see, I actually, I didn't prepare one because uh, I was going to yield to James, and James had some technical difficulties, uh, which seems to be a, a running thing uh, um, with his setup, not sure what's going on, but um, he's not here, so now it's to me. So uh, my unpopular opinion is that in general, people talk really big about, you know, we got to have Catholic communities. We got to set up a Catholic village. We have to set up, you know, it's, let's, let's everyone just, just put in, let's get some property somewhere, make a whole Catholic village and uh, just to this one place. And, and, and we'll all go there and we'll all live there and we'll all, you know, be happy and get away from you know, all these things. And when I hear things like that, I just think, I just look around on Twitter or fed <laughs> and and I look at Catholic Twitter or Catholic pages on Fedbook and I scratch my head and I say if how will you ever get along you you could probably get along with your pagan uh, hippie yoga neighbors better than you could with your fellow Catholic so how is it that you think you're going to be able to move to some Catholic commune and make it work without killing each other uh, or, or, or running into some other things where you'll have people that'll be running a purity stuff spiral that you try to use homeowners association legislation that you put in there. You just say, Hey, this will help us keep it Catholic. And then you get the little tin Hitlers. They're going to say, all right, well, no drinking outside, no smoking in your backyard, no gardens, no, no gardening vegetables, you know, because I want to see nice azaleas. I don't want to see you out there putting, you know, compost on your vegetables. There are people like that. And for whatever reason, they always gravitate to uh, positions, small positions that they can carve out for themselves to be those little tin Hitlers that are going to, you know, to stop you from doing things. And now it's, it's word, it's a mess and everyone hates each other and the sins against charity and the gossip and uh, whatever. So uh, Catholic communes are a bad idea. Christendom worked because it was the organic development of society. That's just how things originated. That's how they developed. Everybody was Catholic. It just was. And you lived in an area, not because you were Catholic. You lived in here because that's where you lived. And the Reformation's what throws all that in an hour today are multicultural post-Christian society. And so I don't say that to intentionally move in next to uh, witches or anything of that sort. But at the same time, don't intentionally try 
my opinion, it will be a failure if you try to establish Catholic commune because nobody has the virtues, the charity, or the grasp of history necessary to live in that type of a world. It's just not going to happen. You're just, uh, and if you doubt, look around on Catholic Twitter, even amongst trad circles. And that's that's my unpopular opinion. Catholic communes are not going to work in our current setup in society. To be fair, you're not welcome in ours because you eat pineapple on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just, right. That's just, you could be on the edge of town, but would you bring that pineapple nonsense in there? <laughs> it's going to be... <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Th- uh, thank you for watching the rundown, uh, especially uh, for dealing with our technical difficulties. And we'll see you again next time. I have two shotguns. My home. They're locked in a safe. There's a metal gun case. We live in an area that's wooded, somewhat secluded. And I've said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony and fire two blasts outside the house. Buy shotgun. Buy shotgun. You don't need machine gun. You don't need 30 rounds. Buy a shotgun. Buy a double barrel shotgun. No, you don't need a flamethrower. And you don't need a tank. And you don't need an AR-15 to scare those thugs away. No, and I don't need a grenade launcher. I don't need an F-15. There's just one thing I need to do. And they'll stay away from me. Fire two blasts outside the house. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun.